want to read just a portion out of Ephesians 5 to start. And just to carry on from last week, last week I started talking about the Holy Spirit and uh, following on from some of the things that Michael Eaton preached up at Swanwick. Just how I was trying to encourage you last week that actually what we need more than anything else is the power of the Spirit in our lives. And um, we looked at Galatians where by the Spirit we can cry, Abba, Father, and there's this absolute assurance of our salvation that we are children of God that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we had a look at some people from history and looked at some, some uh, themes of revival. And what started those revivals were men and women that were set on fire by that basic conviction that their sins had been forgiven. And as far as the east is from the west, so their sins were removed. And, it's, and the power of the Spirit came upon them. And as they started preaching boldly at that simple thing, God started to move. And I believe that's something of what God wants to do with us as a, as, as a church, as a community of believers. And I'd like this morning just to try and take it from that big, broad thing and bring it to you and I. And the title of my message this morning is Be Filled with the Spirit. Be Filled with the Spirit. And we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And Paul writing to the Ephesian church, encouraging them, he says, Look carefully how, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Not just for some, but for all. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's God's intention for every believer, all of us, that we would be filled with the Spirit. And this is a command, be filled it's a continuous present, continuous command. In other words, be filled and continue be, being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's ongoing in our lives. And then it says in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And verse 18 for me is the key, the heart of this portion. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean for us to be filled with the Spirit? Well, I'd like to uh, reference some other scripture as we go forward. But we try, what I try to establish last We looked at two. Remember last week? That the Holy Spirit does come with power and pours Himself out upon us. And there are wonderful experiences of that infilling that God. Absolutely. He wants us to be filled with joy in the midst of trials and tribulations. He wants us to be joyful and to be filled. Secondly, he wants us to have victory over temptation, that we, we actually can live overcoming lives, not by trying really hard, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. How many of you would like to say, Lord, more overcoming faith in my life? Amen. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, he wants, because he wants us to be bold witnesses for him. Bold witnesses. 
And in Acts it says that when the Holy Spirit came upon them with power, they boldly proclaimed the name of the Lord Jesus. How many of you would agree that this country needs bold proclamation of the gospel? Amen. And then the Holy Spirit wants us to have mature and godly relationships. That the church is not full of broken relationships, but the church is full of restored relationships around the cross of Jesus, around the cross of Christ. John 15, 26 says this, when the Helper comes, whom I'll send, you out from, send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's one of the primary things that the Holy Spirit does. It bears witness about Jesus. And I want to just put this out to you, and I, I want to say four things now. I, I don't want anyone to feel I'm accusing you personally, because I'm not, all right? What I want to say, when I look at the church, though, I just want to ask some questions. The truth is, if that's what the Holy Spirit desires to do with every believer. The truth is that when I look at the church, universal, there are so few with li- that live with that end in their hearts to bear witness for Christ. So few. I want to just ask this morning and say why. All right? Acts 1 verse 8, I've referenced already. When you receive the power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The question is, if the Holy Spirit's come to give us power so that we can boldly proclaim the gospel, how come there are so few that boldly proclaim? How come so many of us are cautious and happy for it to be someone else's responsibility to proclaim the word of God? But for me, I'm just a little bit reticent and on the back foot, and it's not really my responsibility, it's someone else's responsibility. But if the power of the Spirit's been poured out so that we can all be bold witnesses for the truth, then something in the equation, needs to change. 1 Corinthians 12. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Speaking about the gifts of the Spirit poured out. I want to ask you this question. If the Holy Spirit is given to, to, to lead us in our service, our grace gifts that have been poured out by grace on our lives, for us to use those to serve the church, how come there are so many disconnected so many inactive, so many on the periphery, so many idle, so many half asleep if the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Well, I want to say the only answer I can see is that we are not yet filled with the Spirit. (laughs) I think many think they are filled with the Spirit, and that's why I'm not accusing anyone. I'm just saying I'm asking for more of the Spirit in my own life, more of this reality for me. Maybe we're just too nervous because of bad experiences to dive in and say, God, I want more of your spirit upon my life. I don't know. Paul's encouragement is clear, though. He says to every single person, be filled with the spirit. It's a command. Be filled with the spirit. And why do we need the spirit's power? Well, there's a couple of things I'd like to say this morning. First of this is verse 19. It says, immediately after Paul has its instruction, it says, and speak to each other in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are transformed into a liberated worshiper. That's what I see. Liberated from the inside out. The overflow of being, full of, uh, of being filled with the Spirit is worship. And the first priority that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives is to transform us into liberated worshipers. And I think it's hard to worship with all of your heart unless there's that 
absolute security and joy of the Holy Spirit in you, changing you, transforming you. Are are you with me? And if that's true, I want to ask this question. Why do so many remain silent? Why do so many struggle to give thanks? Why do so many of us sit locked to our seats, kind of like with clenched lips, just a little bit nervous, can't really just declare the goodness of God? Why? If the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And so many of us are happy to be, happy to be uh, half miserable. <laughs> no, God wants to fill us. God wants the power of the Holy Spirit in us to release worship to Him from the inside out. Are you hearing my heart this morning? I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I'm saying, God, please, for me, I want to become increasingly a liberated worshiper of you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit reveals the wonder of the work of Jesus in our lives. The wonder of the work of Jesus in our lives. And Paul says in Ephesians 1.17, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you all in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart opened and enlightened, that you might know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards all of us who believe? What was that beautiful thing that was brought this morning? God doesn't want us to be in the little hole in the ground. It's dark and dank. He wants us to come out of the hole. To realize the fullness of what He's done. The greatness of what He's done. The wonder of what He's, got, what he's done. Then He's chosen us. Then He saved us by His blood. That we have absolute assurance that we are adopted as sons. Absolute assurance. That the, what the God, Jesus did through the resurrection becomes increasingly real in our hearts and in our lives. And the Holy Spirit also does this. He shows us the importance of other people. The importance of other people. Ephesians 4, Paul says, Speaking the truth in love, we are able to grow up in every way into Him, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, every single one of us, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I believe this. Many, many Christians have not had the revelation of the church, of God's ecclesia, the called out ones. And that revelation enables us to live lives that are not self-centered, that are not consumed about me and my little life and my little needs and I'm an island, living only with my own interests in mind, my own wants, my own needs. No, no, the language of the New Testament is we are the body of Christ. We are the community of believers. We are His household. We are His family. We, are, we have another citizenship which is in heaven. We are God's temple. We, the community of believers. Amen. And I believe this with all of my heart, that the Holy Spirit will never allow us to remain in a place where we are separate from the church, where we are critical of the church, where we are on the sidelines of the church, where we are those that have given up on the church because of 
bad experiences in our lives. No, God wants people that are filled with the Spirit to be those that are building the church, full of love for His bride, dealing with the, the, the insecurities of the heart, dealing with the pain and the, and the stuff of the past, not letting it sit on us, but like water off a duck's back and moving into the fullness of what God has for us. If the Spirit has been poured out, surely there will be a love for the church. Paul, when he has that amazing revelation of Jesus, what he's been doing up to that time is persecuting the church. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, Paul, why do you persecute me? If we love Jesus, we will love his church. With all the wrinkles and blemishes and spots and need of acne removal and all that stuff. If we love Jesus, we will love his church. Every single part of the church, the community of believers. Don't want to say too much about this, but he empowers my witness to the world. Ephesians 3. Paul talks in that that passage about the mystery of being able to preach the gospel, and he says this towards the end of that portion. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which he has given me to the working of his power. He's speaking of this amazing privilege that we have in being called to, to preach the gospel. All I'm trying to say to you this morning, if we truly are going to be those that preach the gospel, if we think we can do it without the witnessing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we are deceived. If the Holy Spirit is not here this morning, what I am doing is absolutely useless because it's just, it's just words without the power of the Holy Spirit. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, it can transform people's lives. Amen? Even our feeblest attempts to communicate the gospel, even if they are weak, even if they are not um, well verbalized, when the power of the Holy Spirit is there, He will use that to transform people's lives. Supernatural power. Why do we need the power of the Spirit? Because He helps to transform me progressively from a godless man to a godly man. And He helps to transform you from a godly woman, uh, from a godless woman to a godly woman, whatever your sex this morning. And Ephesians 4.17, Paul again, he encourages us not to work, walk as the Gentiles do. He says, don't walk like the Gentiles. Futility in their mind, this hardness in their hearts. Don't walk like that. And he goes on to encourage in the, a little bit later, and he says, don't grieve the Spirit, but forgive one another. And he's his encouragement is incredibly practical. He says things like, work hard at your job. Don't depend on other people. You provide for yourself. Get on and work hard. Trust God for your own future. Don't be dependent on others. How's your patience with those that are irritable? Are you still bad-tempered and grumpy? I battle with grumpiness sometimes. I do. Helen will tell you on a Monday morning, I can be grumpy, and I'm learning to get better, and I'm learning to put the sword in my own heart. Because grumpiness, it's not godliness, grumpiness, is it? I want to ask you, is there still language that comes out of your mouth that is not from a deep water cistern, but it's from a polluted place? I don't say that to accuse anybody. There's much that comes out of my mouth that is not right and godly, and I'm short with my wife, I'm short with my kids, because I'm grumpy. 
God wants to transform us from grumpy old men to godly old men, from grumpy young men to godly young men, whatever your age. Martin Luther said this. He said, I'd rather obey than work miracles. Well, it seems that for many today, the opposite is true, but I want to say, I don't want to make a distinction between those two. I want to say, we need both. We need both. We need lives that are being powerfully transformed by the Holy Spirit, and we need signs and wonders. Absolutely, both and. I would love to see God move powerfully, wouldn't you? That we see radical healings. That cancers are broken in people's lives, Becky, for your brother. That that when we speak the word of God, the prophetic cutting edge comes and it radically unlocks God's promises for people's lives. Are we just so uninspired by the Spirit that we're happy just to say, let things carry on as they've been carrying on for the last 10 years, since we're coming up to our 10th birthday? And God brings life to our relationships by the power of the Holy Spirit. Life to our relationships. Ephesians 5.21, that famous portion on marriage, the heart of it is this. Paul says, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Submit to each other. Husbands and wives submit to each other. And actually, that goes to every relationship in the church. We are living in an age of broken relationships where com- co- communities are shattered uh, Men don't lead anymore. Women that have been abused rightfully are saying, well, I don't want that. There's breakdown in community between father and son and mom and dad. Many the places of employment are not joyful places. They seem to be prisons. I want to say to you this morning that by the power of the Spirit, that can change. Because Paul says in this portion, he's super, he says, there's a supernatural thing that happens when you submit yourself to each other. This supernatural thing happens and God brings a divine order into your life. A divine order. That's His Holy Spirit order. And when His Holy Spirit order is in your life, then there's an overflow and there's not an abusive relationship with your spouse or with your children or with your employer because the Holy Spirit is in you transforming you from the inside out. I think our children can grow up happy and, in, and secure and mature. In the midst of a dark and depraved world, I believe they can with all of my heart. Why? Because they can grow up in an environment where Jesus is present, where the Holy Spirit is present, and their parents are loving Jesus with all their hearts, and they grow up in that environment, and they too come to know Him. And they too begin to experience the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit in them. There's a, that's what our confidence is in. I was just uh, reflecting on the elections this week as well. I'm not giving away my allegiance to any political party, but I was just thinking. But perhaps, perhaps this thing of learning to work together is a good thing. Perhaps, perhaps God wants to do that in His church. Perhaps He wants to. Perhaps we've been fighting far too long about being absolutely correct about every single doctrine on the, in the, on the planet, and, we, and we're not prepared to work with people that are perhaps dif- differing from our opinion slightly. Perhaps God wants to do something much deeper than that. I believe in good doctrine. One of the things that we've determined to take into the future with us 
I walk, with, walk by the Spirit, absolutely, but good doctrine, secondly, absolutely. Love for each other, absolutely. But we're not, we're not going to agree 100% on every single detail. But you know what? I think God, when He connects us in the heart, that's what He wants. He wants us connected in the heart. And out of that, we can do much. Can you go with me just to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to finish with this. We looked at this portion last week, but I just want to reflect on uh, verse 3 onwards. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Isn't that beautiful? Promises for everyone. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Man, that's the best possible start any, any of us could have, isn't it? Every church, every believer needs the life of the Spirit. And for me, it's quite clear that's the foundation that we build on. And here Paul's just saying to these guys that have uh, been saved, receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I mean, they'd been waiting in the upper room for 10 days and had this amazing experience of the tongues of fire that came upon them. And now Paul's encouraging them, uh, Peter's encouraging them and saying, desire that with all of your hearts. God wants to give that to you. And I want to say this. A church filled by the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, is going to be a lively, happy place. A lively, happy church. And where there's disunity, where there are factions, where there's brokenness, where there's disillusionment, where there's a lack of spiritual growth, surely what we need to do as believers is check out that foundation and see if it's in place. Not only for the church, but in our lives. God, am I desiring the fullness of your Spirit for me? Or am I happy to be a disgruntled, disillusioned, grumpy Christian just out of obligation coming once a month or twice a month or whatever? So Peter, he says these things are essential. Repentance, faith, baptism in water, being added, and being added to the church. And then he gives this promise. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what gives us power. Acts chapter 1, we've referenced already. You will receive power. The word there is dunamis. Dunamis, which we get dynamite from and we get dynamic from. Peter is saying, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to live a dynamic life. An empowered life. I want to say it's possible to be a Christian without living an empowered life. No one can come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. We know that. That's what we talked about last week. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But it is possible to live an unempowered life as a Christian and just plow on. Like that. Dragging your feet. Just making it through each day. Now God wants empowered lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by us trying but by the fullness of him dwelling in us. So Peter's inviting these people and saying, what we've been, we, we, we waited for for 10 days, I want you to receive that immediately. And he was making reference to what John said in Matthew, where in chapter 3, 
John says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. How many of you want fire? Hey, absolutely. I'm glad to see that. And the day, at the day of Pentecost, that receiving of the Holy Spirit came the full, became a full birthright for every single believer. And the, it's not a figurative thing. There was literal tongues of fire that fell upon every single one in that room. And I want to say we need that fire on every single one of us. Every single one of us. Everyone who is a saint. Every worker in the church. Whatever influence you have, every home group facilitator, every deacon, every elder, every single person, those that prophesy, those that lead worship, those that serve tea, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of God in our lives. It's not surely, uh, it's not an option, surely it is the need of the church. I was just thinking about fire, and I did some reading this week, which really just thrilled me. And this, I want to give you four little things in terms of fire. What does fire do? It burns. Fire burns. Fire burns, that's got the power in it to burn up rotten things, to burn up decaying things, to burn up things that are, need regeneration. That's what fire does. It burns those things. It pushes back darkness. And when you've, any of you grown up in Africa or even here, when you're out camping, it's like incredibly black. It's just dark. And even one little match can seem like so bright when the things are really dark. This beauty, is it? Fire pushes back the darkness. It always liberates as it burns. It pushes back the darkness. It warms what is cold. How many of you feel like perhaps you've grown a little cold? Anyone? I feel like in the last two years, battles got to me and I was growing a little bit cold. I want to say to you, it's not that you try harder to be hot. It's that you ask the Holy Spirit to come and to regenerate and to burn in you so that what is cold is warmed. Don't you think fire also brings comfort and joy? I love Christmas times. I love Christmas times. I love it when it's dark and everything's in red and green. You know what I love most about Christmas times? The fireplace. The glass of wine, some good mates, and you just stare into that fire and the little logs are burning like that. It's incredible comfort and joy that it brings to your life and you just chew the cud together. Anyone had an experience like that? I love that about fire. It brings comfort and it brings joy into your life. Well, God wants to bring the same things into our lives. He wants to bring a warmth. He wants to bring a joy. He wants to bring a comfort. He wants to bring laughter. He wants to burn up what is decaying. Everything that is not of him. He wants to burn it up. Secondly, fire not only burns, but it spreads. Fire has the ability to touch anything. If you've seen some of the, the um, fires that they have in Australia, fire can jump over huge distances. And so they have to put in these massive fire breaks so that the fire doesn't just consume everything. And we talked last week and said the, the source of all revival is the Spirit's fire. And the Spirit's fire spreads. All that God needs is a couple of men and women that are set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit and He can do what much through them. And that's why we looked at Wesley and Whitfield last week and said two men, three men, there were others, individuals set on fire and the nation was transformed as they just, this fire spread from them and touched everyone that they came into contact with. 
Like I said this morning, the prophetic sense that I had, many have lost their nerve. Many. What God wants to do is give you a nerve back this morning. That you would be a bold proclaimer of the gospel. That you would boldly pray for healing. That you boldly speak of Jesus. That your life would be salt and light. I'm saying that of myself. I'm not pointing fingers. God wants to encourage you this morning. How many of you feel that you're living in the fullness of what God has for you? Anyone? So then we can have more. (laughs) It's easy. Then we can have more. We just desire more of God and say, God, I'm not living in the fullness of what you have, but I desire it. Set me free increasingly. We need that. Next little thing, fire lights. Fire has a luminance. It has a glow. And that's what attracted Moses in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness. That's the burning bush. The glow of the burning bush came and he came and God began to speak to him about his destiny and how he'd set help to deliver the nation of Israel and out of Egypt. And this amazing sense of destiny came as God brought light and revelation to him. I, I believe that God wants to do that for every single life. He wants to speak of your destiny. He wants to speak of what he has for you. As, as the fire of the Holy Spirit comes and brings revelation, brings light. Lastly, fire empowers. Fire empowers. How many of you have enjoyed racing a motorbike or a fast car, ladies? Don't think it's just the guys. I've seen the girls go go, driving go-karts. I've seen it. It's a frightening thing. Isn't it, Eleanor? (laughs) Transformed, just like... But the internal combustion engine is an amazing thing. It basically works as fire is ignited in a small little space. And what that releases is energy. And you can go very fast and very quick on a plane, a train, car, because of this internal combustion that happens in this engine, which is fire. I think that's a beautiful thing that God wants to do in our lives. How many of you feel like you are stuck? Anyone? I felt a bit stuck in the last couple of years. You know what? You can either try really hard or you can allow the fire of God to come in the internal combustion engine of your heart and say, God, set me on fire. And maybe some of us are like, "Uh, uh," like the engine's turning over, but it's not catching fire. It's not catching fire. I want to say God wants to do that in every single life. He wants us to be on fire so that we can do much. Not getting stuck. fire of God energizes all of the church. It's by the Spirit that we can cry, Abba, Father. It's by the Spirit that we can confess that Jesus is Lord. It's the Spirit that assures us deeply of our relationship with the Father and with the Son. It's the Spirit that gives us confidence before God. It's the Spirit that gives us boldness before men. It's the Spirit that makes us passionate, liberated worshipers. It's the Spirit that makes us powerful witnesses for Christ. That's all the work of the Spirit within you and I. We cannot, cannot live from another place. And also, we have full access to all the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm not going to dwell on that today, but if you read Romans 12, if you read Ephesians 4, all those things are given to us so that they are tools for us to use. Those are the weapons of our warfare for this fight that we are called to fight, for this life that we are called to live. All the gifts of the Spirit are available to you and I. Isn't that beautiful? No wonder the devil wants us to remain ignorant of these things. No wonder the devil wants us to be confused about these things. If we are ignorant and confused, the life of God that he wants to bring in the church is just stifled. 
The Holy Spirit, wanted, He wants to come and pervade us from the outside, redeem us, every part of our personality, every part of our character, and He wants to live from the inside as well. So what comes out is passionate worship, a life that brings glory and honor to Him. So, Spurgeon said this, and I'm concluding with this. Spurgeon said, out of a full church, the world will receive salvation, never out of an empty one. The first thing we want as a church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. If we want to walk by the Spirit, surely we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So how do we receive this power? How do we uh, receive this baptism? Well, Acts again, Acts chapter 2 gives us some clues. And I just want to say there are four little things. It's not a formula, but surely we need to get back to what the Scripture says. And Peter says, repent. So the first thing we have to do if we want to receive the fullness of the Spirit is if there's any obvious sin, we need to repent of it. I'm not asking for us to be introverted and perfectionistic at all, but if there's an obvious thing that God is bringing to our hearts and our lives, if we want to receive the fullness of the Spirit, we have to immediately say, Lord, that thing I recognize, I'm sorry, set me free. I confess that to you. Yeah? Confess. Repent of those things. Secondly, there's a yielding to God. It simply means that we do whatever God wants us to do. <laughs> We yield to Him in every area of our lives. We don't resist Him. We don't say no to Him. That's walking by the Spirit. And that's what we feel like God has been saying for two years now. He wants us to walk by the Spirit. So there's a sense of not resisting what He's saying. I was just chatting before the meeting with someone and saying, actually, that's an incredibly vulnerable place, isn't it? To actually definitely take one day at a time and just walk by the Spirit. It's incredibly... Um, Brings insecurity in some sense, because there's no markers. And we want all the markers in place. We want to see the whole year just mapped out. And next year, perhaps we've got a five-year plan. You know, five-year plan of our lives, and we'll just walk step by step. And I believe God reveals prophetically what He wants to do. But there's an, there's an insecurity that you have to, well, can be insecure. But our security is that God is good, <laughs> and He's taking us forward. And we simply just hear His voice and obey, and He leads Thirdly, I want to say this, as we desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, we come primarily to Jesus. You know, it might happen in a meeting. It might happen when someone lays hands upon you and you experience joy and laughter, or you experience just a deep sense of God's power and you weeping and you're lying on the floor. It might, it might be in a special experience like that, but primarily we come to Jesus first. We don't come to some Holy Spirit guru. We don't come to someone with the anointing. We come to Jesus. He might use people, certainly, but it's not the person. Jesus gives the gift through the person. We come to Jesus. And I want to say to you this morning, we might not have any famous minister of power in the church right now, here, sitting here this morning, who has a ministry. But I want to say to you this morning, you can receive from Jesus what you need for your life. The power that you need, you can receive this morning because He wants to give it to you. And then simply ask for the Spirit and drink. That's what Jesus said, John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, that great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I'm not satisfied. 
I need you more and more in my life. The fullness of your spirit. I don't want to just carry on like this for the rest of my life. I want you. Pour yourself out by your spirit and I want to drink. And what does that mean when you drink? You just open your mouth (laughs) and you let him pour all over you and you take in as much as you can. And you know the wonderful promises, Luke, Luke 11, verse 13. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him? The Holy Spirit is a good gift, beautiful gift. I want to encourage you this morning. I'm trusting that God is going to minister. I'm trusting that God is ministering to you already. <laughs> I'm trusting that out of the worship and the prophetic words and, and uh, the simple thing that I've shared this morning, that God is ministering to you already, that the fullness of the Spirit will come this morning. I want to ask you, if you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you let us pray for you. Not that anyone here is anything, but Jesus wants to bless you this morning with the fullness of His Spirit. All you need for life and godliness. Is this making sense to anybody? <laughs> Amen. So we've got some time. I'm going to ask Trev and the guys to come. And uh, I don't want to set the mood, but we want to worship. And then we're going to ask God to come and move. Maybe he'll move upon you as you're standing there. Maybe, maybe you'll want some prayer. That's fine. Whatever it is, we're going to ask God to come. And we would see tongues of fire in every single heart, every single life. Amen? Are you cold? No? You are? Okay. Can we just, uh, thanks. Uh, Nick, can you switch on? But we're trusting for more than that kind of fire, right? We're trusting for the real fire to come. Okay? And I'm not trying to manufacture anything. You know what? I, I, when I got up this morning, Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not going to give into the pressure of trying to make something happen this morning. I want you to move. But if nothing happens... That's cool with me. I want to tell you right now, I'm not trying to manufacture anything. But I want, the, I want the fire to come, whether it's this week or next week or whenever it comes. I desire that with all of my heart.